everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. Today I want to talk about uh, something that is intensely practical. I think you're going to leave here with some, some practical steps that you can do. Now here's my worry, is that like, this, this can't just be a TED talk. This can't just be a, a self-help seminar. So that's, that's my worry. And yet I think about, we talk about, you know, as Christians, we need to read our Bible more. We need to pray more. We need to get rid of those habits that are besetting sins. And if, if maybe we don't give you some tangible steps, then maybe we aren't discipling you well. So sorry, not sorry, as we start this. So what I want to do to start this message today is just, would you think about your last normal day? And if you work, what did you do at the beginning of your work day? You might say, well, I'm a stay-at-home parent. Well, that's a job, and you need a raise. And whatever you did on your last normal day, think about what you did when you woke up, okay? The odds are very, very high that you did something similar to the day before, when you woke up. In other words, uh, if your alarm woke you up that day, um, you probably were awakened by your alarm the day before. If you normally get up without an alarm, chances are you probably got up without an alarm the day before that. You did something similar. If, if you checked your social media first thing, read your email, maybe read your Bible, made coffee, poured some cereal, uh, you probably took a shower, which is a good thing for keeping a job, you probably uh, got to work in a similar way that you did the day before, uh, you probably worked with the same people, did very similar things, uh, you probably got home the same way. If you drove, what's kind of scary is you probably don't even remember how you got home, right? You're just like... You sort of come to and you're in your driveway. It's like, oh, how did I get here? Um, which proves my point that you probably do things the same way. If you have a evening routine, maybe bath time with the kids, you story, then you, once the kids are done, you get to watch your house flipping shows or whatever. I don't know what your day is like, but chances are it was pretty similar to the day before that. See, most of what you normally do isn't a result of conscious choices, but of daily habits. And much of what you do every single day is not a result of a decision that you make, but of a habit that you already have in your life. That's why if you want to change where you're going in life, if you want to change who you're becoming in life, you got to change your habits. You know, on the live stream a couple weeks ago, we talked about the power of thoughts. Our thoughts are so powerful because they influence our words. We talked about that last week. And our words influence our actions, which, which influences our habits, which in the end is really what's going to be what changes us, 
for better or for worse in five years? Who are you going to be in 2025? So today I want to do is talk to you about the power of habits, or what we might say in, in the Christian world, disciplines, because we are what we repeatedly do. Let me say that again. We are what we repeatedly do. Now, how many of you would say, and I just want you to be honest, there's no, no humble brag going on here, just you consider yourself a fairly disciplined person. Just raise your hand if that's awesome. Yeah, I see that hand, yes. Um, now, how many are like me, and you would say, mm, not so much, I tend to be a little more on the undisciplined side. Just raise your hand, yeah. Don't be so undisciplined that you don't raise your hand. That's... <laughs> I would argue, respectfully, that you actually are disciplined. Um, you have disciplines that you are consistently doing. We're all disciplined in different ways. Think about it. What are you disciplined to do? Well, I'm disciplined to hit the snooze button every morning. Um, I'm disciplined to play video games. And I'm so disciplined, I've never missed dessert in my entire life. <laughs> right? We are all disciplined. Maybe we just are not disciplined in the right things. So what is a working definition of discipline for this morning. I would say discipline is simply choosing between what we want now versus what we want most. I'm going to say that again because I feel like somebody in this section just had a breakthrough, okay? A discipline is choosing between what we want now and what we want most, okay? Because all of you are successful in some area of your life, and if you look at that area, you're going to find that you have consistent disciplines. And maybe you say, I actually have a very good marriage. Well, if you do, I promise you there are some disciplines. I don't know what they are. Maybe you consistently eat together or um, you know, set aside time for a couple small group or uh, have a date night or, or once a year get away from the kids for a vacation and that's sacrosanct, right? Maybe you're successful financially and I can guess that you have disciplines of living less uh, than what you make, living on less than what you make. Um, I bet you you're generous. I bet you you're investing wisely. Those are disciplines. It's just that it's so hard to be consistent in the right disciplines, isn't it? For example, maybe you said at the beginning of 2020, I'm going to work out this year. And so Monday, you wake up early, you feel good, and then on Tuesday, you do the same. And then on Wednesday, it's like, ooh, the shoulder's kind of hurting, so you take a rest day. And then Thursday, it's like, kind of cold outside. I'm just going to, so you take another rest day. And you started, but you ended up stopping. And you said, oh, you know what? I'm, this year I'm going to be disciplined in my eating. And so Monday, you were so faithful. Tuesday, you, you were good. Wednesday, salads. And you got momentum. And then Thursday comes along, and you have to take one of your twin daughters to her job at a restaurant that shall remain nameless, but it has these, these golden arches. <laughs> Anyways, you resist the temptation for a McFlurry, 
but then you have to take your second twin daughter to work on the same day. And by this point, um, you've spent you know, so much willpower that you, you kind of feel like you deserve two McDoubles and a, and a caramel sundae <laughs> in this make-believe scenario. You started strong, and yet you end up so inconsistent. I totally and completely relate. But what's encouraging to me is the Apostle Paul, who wrote a big portion of the Bible, maybe one of the most effective spiritual leaders in history, he struggled with this very same problem. Here's what he says in, in Romans 7, and I hope his transparency just speaks to somebody here today. In verse 15, if you wonder why you're so inconsistent, Paul says, I don't really understand myself. Okay, man, I'm with you, brother. You had me at hello. He says, I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I, want to, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I, I keep doing it for some reason. Like, how many of you can relate? I want to have the salad, but that Boston cream is calling my name, right? He says in verse 20, but if I do what I don't want to do, and this is interesting, he says, I'm not really the one doing it. Okay, then who is it, Paul? He says, it's actually the sin living in me that does it. Now, don't miss this. You see, by nature, we are not self-disciplined people, okay? By nature, our sin is what pulls us away from what God wants. Our sin nature bends us toward doing what is wrong. It's rather than doing what's right. And, and maybe you felt like this. In verse 24, he says, Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life dominated by sin and death? In other words, who can help me overcome this temptation? Who can help me walk away from this sin? Who can help me be consistent? And he says in verse 25, Thank God, the answer. And then if you notice, it's, it's not a principle but it's a person. The answer is found in a person. He says, who can deliver me? The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. With his help, I can be different. With his help, I can change. By his help, I can be transformed. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong appetites in me. It's not Jonathan in me because Jonathan in me is not stronger, but Christ in me is stronger than the wrong appetites in me. The spirit inside of me is what empowered me to do what I was incapable of doing myself. And the Holy Spirit led me to choose what I wanted most over what I wanted now. So some of you, you've been trying and you've been striving and you've been mustering up willpower for years and maybe today is the day you get set free from all that trying it was prayed in our elders' prayer time today that God's yoke is easy, his burden is light, our yoke is heavy, it takes a lot of mustering and self-will. Uh, You're never going to be self-disciplined because the self is bent towards sin, but the very spirit that raised Christ from the grave dwells in you. And his spirit is disciplined, and he wants you to be disciplined. Who can deliver me from this body of death? Thank God. 
It's found in Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's by the power of Christ. We will choose what we want most over what we want now. I got this secret, y'all. Like when I woke up today, I woke up with the power of God living inside of me. I am weak. Jonathan wants what is convenient and easy and what helps me feel good. But even more than that, the Spirit of God in me wants to bring glory to God, wants to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And it's because the Christ dwells in me, he will give me the power to choose what matters most over what matters now. Now, some of you say, I'm so glad that you've uh, figured this whole discipline thing out, preacher boy, but good for you. Man, if you knew me, like if you really knew me, uh, I'm, I'm working through this. Like, I, am, I can be very undisciplined with some things. Last, last week, we had the whole elders and spouses and executive team and their spouses over to our house. And to get everybody in, I got some chairs from downstairs. Very similar-looking burgundy chairs, by the way. And, uh, and at the end of the night, uh, Vicky stacked them and said, hey, would you mind taking these downstairs? I said, for sure. Can I... Can I get to it first thing in the morning? Okay. So eight days later, <laughs> no kidding. And to her credit, she just let them uh, sit there in the hallway as a silent reminder of my bad husbandry. <laughs> um, so let me challenge you with the question today. What do you need to do now to have what you want most? Uh, What one discipline do you think maybe you need to add to your life today? What habit maybe do you need to stop so that it will help you lead to what you ultimately want most? Maybe you need to join a small group and you know it. Uh, Maybe you need to stop kind of hemming and hawing around uh, putting God first in your finances and just trust him with generosity. Maybe you need to clean out the pantry and get rid of the Twinkies and the chips and start replacing it with healthy stuff. Maybe you need to commit to a date night with your spouse and build into each other, reconnect with each other once a week. Maybe you need to start praying with your kids every day. I don't know what it is that God is going to say to you today, but when you seek God and you say, Lord, I want to look more like Jesus in 2025, you know, what is the one thing I need to do that will help me have what I and God desire most for my life later. I don't have the ability to do it, but Jesus Christ in me, uh, the hope of glory does. I am not self-disciplined, but I am spirit-disciplined. So we ask the power of God's spirit to do what we ourselves cannot do on our own. So based on who you want to become in five years, what What one habit do you need to break? What one habit maybe do you need to start today? Now, if you want to go deeper into the science of this and the application of how to stop and start habits, I've read a ton of literature on this subject. And I I think the best book, it's a secular book, but it's called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he said something very interesting in this book. He says that most of us, actually have very similar goals, right? Think about it. We all, we all want to have good relationships. 
Um, if you're a Christian, we all, we all want to be close to God. Um, most of us want to make a difference in the world. Most of us want to have some sort of financial flexibility. Uh, most of us want to be healthy. Uh, I don't know anybody who would say, you know, my lifetime goal is to always struggle financially and live paycheck to paycheck, and every time my spouse buys something, we get in a fight. I don't know anybody who would say, I hope to gain you know, seven pounds every year over the next five years so that I can struggle later with my weight and my health. I can't imagine anybody doing that. I can't picture anybody saying, I have this five-year goal to become a raging addict so I could potentially wreck my marriage and hurt my children and, and lose trust with the very people who I love. Like, wouldn't that be amazing? Nobody, nobody says that. The reality is that many of us have similar goals, but we we have dramatically different results. And here's what James Clear writes, because goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. Here's a quote from his book. I like, I like how he says this. You don't rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems. So let's think about our systems this morning, your habits, your disciplines from a spiritual perspective. Because Ain't nobody just stumbles into intimacy with God, okay? Nobody accidentally becomes a person of spiritual maturity and authority and deep faith. Some of you are going to say, I don't have systems. Uh, Yeah, you do. We all have systems. You either have systems by intent or by default, right? Your system may be to chronically get up late and kick the cat and yell at the kids and drive like a bat out of you know where and put you know your hair wet and putting on your makeup in the car and then get to work all grumpy and then you know come home and yell at the kids and go to bed and feel guilty that's a system it's not a good system but it's a system so what new system uh, based on who God wants you to be in five years do you need to place in your life. Years ago, I started just a very simple discipline of tithing. S- simple. Anytime God blesses me, I choose to honor him and put him first in, through my finances. It's just, it's just a consistent reminder to me that, that God is my source, that he's my provider. And it's just automatic now. It's, it's just a, a worship through the tithe. And I think, I hope, I, I believe it's changing me into a more generous person, a person who trusts in God, who, you know, I I know I still need work in that area, but it's a discipline that's forming my character. You know, for Vicky and myself, we've made a choice that Sundays in our family are for worshiping God, and so we have Sunday mornings clear. It's always clear in our calendar. It's just what we do. It's a priority to us, and so it turns out there's actually a bit of science to how habits, good and bad, are formed. The literature is, is pretty consistent here. And I'm going to oversimplify it here with what they call a habit cycle or a habit loop. Habits start with a trigger, okay? It's, or a cue. We see something, we feel something, we walk by the fridge, we have an emotion, it leads to a certain response or behavior. And that's the crux of the habit, right? The behavior. You eat the cake, you sleep in, you yell at someone, whatever it is. There's a behavior. 
And then we get some sort of reward from that behavior, okay? The, the high, the buzz, the dopamine hit, the extra sleep, the sugar rush, the pleasure, whatever it is. And we may not even consciously recognize it, but there's some sort of payoff to the habit. And then the process repeats itself. Trigger, behavior, reward. Trigger, behavior, reward. On and on until a habit is formed. Now, how do we break the habit? What are we going to try and do is we're going to try to remove the trigger and interrupt the behavior. So whatever that trigger in us that is moving us in the wrong direction, we're going to try to remove the trigger and we're going to try to interrupt the behavior. So studies show there are are basically five categories of triggers that will generally lead us into the wrong direction. And you know this. You'll recognize this in your own life because you can be triggered by a place. You can be triggered by a time, by a mood, by a moment, and you might be triggered by people. How many would say you got some people in your life that trigger you? Yeah, okay. For many, there's a place where you do a bad habit and you consistently do a bad habit at that place. You probably don't do a bad habit at certain other places. For example, you probably don't overeat when you go to the gym. You probably don't smoke pot when you come to church. If you do, you know, let's talk about that after. Um, you, you might smoke pot and overeat at Jimmy's house when the, when the guys get together and you're watching the game, there's also a time you probably don't binge watch pornography when you're at a couple small group. Um, when might you do it? Well, when it's late at night, when your spouse is gone, when you're feeling a little lonely or bored. There's probably a consistent time and place where you do that. Time and place matter. A lot, And so we're going to make sure if there's a time or place that triggers us, we're going to try and address that trigger, remove that trigger. There's also moods that can trigger us. Um, you're more vulnerable when you're in a certain mood. Y'all heard of HALT, H-A-L-T, HALT? Um, we're vulnerable when we're H, hungry. We're vulnerable when we're A, angry. Put them together. You got hangry, and that's no good for for anybody. Um, When you're T, tired. Oh, wait, I missed L. L is lonely. Lonely, bored, um, you're vulnerable. And T is when you're tired. You have less strength when you're tired. And and, And you're susceptible more to triggers and temptations. What about moments? There's, there's certain moments that trigger you. You get in a fight with your husband. What do you do? You call those same three girlfriends and you have a husband bashing party because that's what you did at the last fight. That's what you did during this fight. That's probably what you'll do the next fight. Or you go out with the guys and you drink too much. That's what you did last time. Um, that's what you'll do the next time. It's a moment that triggers you to do something wrong. Sometimes it's like a, there's a bad pairing. For me as a young, dumb kid, it was coffee and cigarettes. Those two, what a glorious combo, coffee and cigarettes. And um, in the days of cafes that were all like you could smoke anywhere, you millennials don't know this, but when you went to a Timmy's 
Every donut tasted like an ashtray. Oh, those were the days. You want to look for moments that might trigger you. And we're going to distance ourselves from that time, from that place, from that mood, from that moment. Also, and I'm going to hurt some feelings right now, but this is important. There are some people, the wrong people can trigger us, lead us into the wrong direction, just as the right people can support us in the right direction. In fact, studies are so conclusive that um, the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are to have the same habits as the people that you are close with. There was this study that tracked 12,000 people over 32 years. 12,000, three decades, 12,000 people. And they found out all kinds of crazy stuff. For instance, they found out if you have one friend who is significantly overweight, there's a 57% more likely chance that you'll be overweight as well. One friend. Now, on the other side, listen to this good news. If you have one friend that loses a significant amount of weight one of the three closest friends to that person is also going to lose a significant amount of weight. The people that we hang with often shape the habits that we have, don't they? Like it doesn't take a study to prove this. Long before studies, Solomon, here's what he says in Proverbs 13, verse 20. He said, if you walk with the wise, you become wise. Associate with fools and you get in trouble. We become like the people that we hang out with. It's very difficult to live the right life when you have the wrong people influencing you. And Paul says it very clearly. He says, bad company corrupts good character. Do not be misled. You become like the people that you're around. So uh, to break a habit, we want to remove the trigger. How do we start a new habit? Well, what we want to do with that trigger is we want to make it two things. We want to make it obvious, and we want to make it easy. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to make it obvious. If you want to change what you do, then we're going to change what we see. Make the trigger obvious. If you want to take vitamins every day, maybe put the vitamins on the, the night table before you go to sleep. And it's the first thing, you wake up, boop, there's the vitamins, first thing you're gonna see. If you wanna be someone who reads every night before bed, what you're gonna do is you're gonna put that book on your pillow every morning, it's the first thing you're gonna see, oh yeah, I'm a reader now, okay? I'm gonna make it obvious. And then we're gonna make it easy. Now, you don't, you don't need to say I'm gonna read through the whole Bible in the next three months. And if you try, I fear you may be done by the end of January. Instead, what you might want to do is simply say, this year I'm going to read one verse a day. One verse. Get a, get a streak going in your Bible app. It keeps track of these things. And when you start seeing these streaks going, it, it, it encourages you. Science tells us it even gives us a little dopamine hit. It'll feel even like a, a game. Just start with one verse, and it gets you opening the Bible. Here's what will happen. You do that for 15, 20, 25 days. You might just get an appetite for two verses. <gasps> and then, I don't know, one day you're reading a chapter, 
And actually, I know the story of someone whose fitness goal, are you ready for this? Was to walk into the gym. That was it. Just walk in. For him, that was the hardest part of the whole process. So just getting into the car, driving to the door. What do you think that happened, though? He was like, well, I'm here anyways. Maybe I'll walk on the treadmill for a little bit. It started small, but it grew from there. And you might say, I want to pray with my spouse. Um, we, don't, we don't know how to pray together. It's, it's too awkward. It's too intimate. It's so, so weird to me. Like, we can have sex together, but we can't pray together. Should I have said that out loud? I don't know. It's out there now. <laughs> Felt right in the moment. So you don't know how we're going to do that. How about we grab, grab your spouse's hand and we just thank God for one thing that day. Thank you, God, that we have heat in the house on this cold day. Thank you, God, that we didn't kill one of our children this morning. You know, one thing, simple, right? You want a journal. How about this, one sentence that day? Here's where I saw God at work today. One sentence. And then you might get carried away and write two sentences in a week. (gasps) Start small. We see what happens. You know what you're doing, though? You're building a system. Most of us don't have goal problems. What we have are system problems. We have habit problems. So you want to start a good habit, you make the trigger easy. You want to stop a bad habit, Make the trigger difficult. Very good. He's like, is this too easy? Is he tricking us? If you want to stop a habit, make the trigger difficult. Like, so if you always hitting the snooze button, maybe you want to put that alarm clock, that mobile device, on the other side of the room. Yeah, exactly. I got to get out of bed. I got to beep, beep, beep. I'm up anyway, right? Like the guy in the gym, uh, you just made it a little more difficult to do. There's a better chance you'll stay out of bed. Now, maybe you've got a problem with sort of like buying Amazon. Click, click, click. How did I just spend $318, right? Maybe what you do is give your Amazon password to a friend. And you can't buy anything unless you go through that friend. You've just added a, a layer of difficulty and made it a little more difficult to do. Here, I like what James said about habits. James is the brother of who again? Jesus, good. Here's what he says in James 1.21. He says, get rid of every filthy habit and all wicked conduct. You're not going to do this on your own. What you're going to do? You're going to submit yourself to God and accept the word that he plants in your hearts, which is able to save you. What one habit do you need to get rid of to become who God wants you to be in five years? We need to define it. We cannot defeat what we cannot define. What is the one habit for you? And don't say 27 of them, okay? If you try to do 27, you'll do zero. What is the one that you need to work on today? You may have a problem with a bad attitude, a complaining hard, gossiping. I I don't know 
I mean, I know for you, you don't gossip. You just tell people so they can pray about it, right? Maybe it's too much sugar. Maybe it's technology addiction. Maybe you're addicted to video games. It was kind of fun at first. Now it's kind of taken over your life and your relationships. Maybe there's a social media fix that you have, binge-watching Netflix. Maybe it's pornography. You've tried, you've quit, you've promised you wouldn't do it again. It keeps rearing its ugly head. Maybe it's just your phone, you know? Do you ever, like, you ever have to hand this over to somebody and you're like, you start getting severe separation anxiety, you start getting the shakes? Maybe you're addicted to the screen and you're kind of wasting your life doing it. Based on who you want to become, What is one habit that you need to break? I love the way Solomon, the wisest man in the Bible, phrased it in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14 and 15. Don't set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of the evildoers. And then he says this. He says, avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn from it. Go your own way. If you didn't hear me the first time, I'm going to say it four different ways. Love that. You make it difficult to access the thing that could harm you. Oh, there's so much more that could be said. I'm looking at the clock. We need to wrap up. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And, uh, but what habit, what discipline do you need to start today? What habit do you need to break today? Because the habits that you have today are going to shape who you are tomorrow. Trust me. And just let that sink in for a second. The habits you have today, they're shaping who you become tomorrow. Do you like the the direction the habits are taking you? Um, If you're not sure, then you know what? Just play them forward in your head a little bit. Like take that bad thing, that secret thing, that thing that you don't tell anybody, that thing that's taking too much of your time, whatever it is, and just play it forward five years Yikes, I had no idea how much that was going to cost me. I had no idea that I would never get that back. I'd never expected to lose my family over this. I never expected to lose my good name, lose my house. I I didn't do it all at once. Yeah, I know. One small habit over time. What habit are you going to break today? What habit are you going to start? Oh, but I feel so weak. Perfect. Because when you are weak, listen to me, Christ's strength is made perfect in you. So today, I'm, I'm praying for a victory for you that the weapon that's formed against you won't prosper, that when the darkness falls, it won't prevail because the God you serve He knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. God, may we see a victory today because we just recognize the battle belongs to you. The battle belongs to you, Lord.